Amen. You can be seated. Give God one more hand. That was good worship this morning. We're excited you're here. I'm glad you're here. And I believe you're going to be blessed uh, this morning. I'm going to move kind of quick because we have uh, some announcements uh, and things to get uh, through and to uh, here in the end. But last week, uh, we left off asking the question, who are you, Holy Spirit? Has anyone been asking that question in your prayer time, in your quiet times, that Holy Spirit, show me more of who you are? Uh, You know, I think all the time uh, using uh, relationship as an example, when I first met Brianna or saw her, I started to ask, okay, who, who are you? Or you kind of take some shortcuts, you go on their Facebook, you scroll the way back three or four years and say, okay, I know who she is a little bit. <laughs> we can do that in the Word of God. We can go back, see who Christ is. But we uh, went through this, uh, I, I left this challenge with you. And it's not asking, do I have all the Holy Spirit, but rather does the Holy Spirit have all of me? Not do I have all of you, but does he have all of me? Because he wants to come and dwell within us. And I said, it's, shared, it's the most dignifying thought or the most dignifying thing, thinking that the Holy Spirit would choose you, each and every one of you, to be a temple, to come and dwell and put his presence and his life and his power in your life. And when you realize that, you change, it changes everything about your life from the choices you make to how you raise your kids, your marriage, your jobs. Everything revolves around this one thing that the Holy Spirit has chosen to put himself and his presence and his spirit within me and for, for him to dwell in me. There's a scripture, and I, I wrote it down this morning, so I didn't get a chance to, to put it in the back. But if you're old school, you can turn in your Bibles. Or if you're new school, get your phones out. You can follow along here through the Bible app. But it comes from John 8, 37. And Jesus is talking, and he says, Now, on the last and most important day of the feast, Jesus stood and called out, and this is the amplified version, that if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, and here's where it amplifies it out, he who believes in me, or in other words, who adheres to, who trusts in, who relies on, anybody adhere to, trust, and rely on the Holy Spirit this morning? As the scripture said, and this is Jesus confirming, from his innermost being, will flow continually rivers of living water. Other translations say, from our belly will burst forth a spring or will will flow forth rivers of living water. Now, when you look at the scripture and you look at context, you'll see that at the time Jesus was saying that, he was in a desert. So the idea of running and, and living water was very rare because in that time, you had to go to a well every day, several times a day to go and get your water. Now, here in America, in first world, we love modern plumbing. We can go to the bathroom, we can flush the toilet, and never have to think about anything again. And this time, it was much different. So if Jesus was saying rivers of living water, I can tell you that's going to catch some attention. That, okay, do we not have to go to this well? Or what, Jesus, what are you saying? Because what you're saying, we have not experienced and we want. But he's saying this in regards to the Holy Spirit. That when you are baptized, you're given the Holy Spirit, but then there's an activation where His Spirit's put within you, and in your darkest time, in moments when you need healing, that there is a reservoir, or there is a well within you that can spring forth, rivers of living water, because the Holy Spirit just isn't a one-time thing, it's an active. If you look at uh, 
as I was studying, you look at the, the Latin word for living, it means to move. Think about that. L- rivers of living water means to move. There's purpose to it. It's active. It's not stagnant. Nobody likes stagnant things or stagnant water. If you've got a pond on your property or if you've ever seen a pond, if, if you're not intentional about that pond, then all this algae and things are going to cover the pond and it's not going to look pretty. You know, some of you put those water fountains in it and it keeps it really nice. But there's something in our walk with God that we always have to be reminded. And as we're looking and asking the question, who is the Holy Spirit? We have to understand that when we're baptized, a manifestation of that is that there should be rivers of living water coming out. You know, I think what that river of living water sounds like when we come together and when we worship and our praise goes forth and we cry out in desperation, something begins to stir. I also left you with last week, as it says in 1 Timothy 4, It says that, Timothy, do not neglect the gift that was in you, but stir it up. So when we worship, we begin to stir that river. We begin to stir the stagnant parts of our life, and we're reminded that he's the higher power, that there's someone stronger. There's an anointing in our lives to do what he's called us to do. Amen. I wrote this down. The purpose of the Holy Spirit enables you to become that which you are. Again, everything you were given at baptism, you have within you. So every insecurity, every fear, every doubt, every trial that comes your way in any season of life, by that river of living water, when you tap into that, you have everything you need to overcome any situation in your life. But here's where the deficit is. We run to other things or we run to different medicines or we run to some worldly advice or different things instead of going to the river, the timeless wisdom of the faith of how to overcome our situations. I wrote this down. I heard a pastor preach on it. said that mediocrity is the first sign of the denial of the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. When you get mediocre, when you get comfortable, when you stop moving because living water means to move act of purpose that there's purpose attached to it so you got to ask yourself is there mediocrity in my life i love this scripture romans eight twenty six. it says likewise the spirit also helps us in our weakness or other translations say our infirmities for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought but the spirit himself makes intercessions for us. Isn't that great that you have the ultimate intercessor praying for you when you're going through seasons in life? And so the vantage point or the perspective or the gift that I want to look at this morning of the Holy Spirit is that in Isaiah 11, he's revealed as the spirit of wisdom and as the spirit of understanding. We've been in the series of Proverbs and I've been in a and studying and, and going through scripture and looking of, Holy Spirit, where are you even in the book of wisdom or the book of Proverbs? Because he's there. You even think of how the Holy Spirit was there in creation. That in Genesis it says that the, that the world or the earth was without form and was void. In other words, there was a chaos and the Holy Spirit entered into it and then order began to happen. You know, another thing I think of is that the Holy Spirit, through wisdom, gives us power over chaos. We saw the, uh, we were reminded of the evil that can be present earlier this week when we saw the Las Vegas attacks. 
That's chaos. And when you don't have the Holy Spirit in your life, when chaos comes into your life, your first thing is to panic, to doubt, to fear, to run, to hide, to retreat. But when you have the Holy Spirit in your life, as I was even seeing other stories, there was men and women running back into the war zone to go and rescue and to protect and to bring order. And to those that had knowledge were able to say, okay, gunfire stopped, now run to safety. God put people in that situation to help rescue people. In the same manner, God puts order into our life as we sing in that song, Amazing Grace, who brings our chaos back into order? Who makes the orphan a son and daughter? The chaos in your life does not have to be chaotic, does not have to be crazy. Think about a child that's wild and crazy and all over the place. God puts you there as the parent to go and say, hey, we're not doing this today. Or hey, this is not the way that we're going to have our day go. God puts you in that child's life to bring order. And all the parents said, amen. Amen. I also wrote this down. We must ask the Lord for the gift of the Holy Spirit and the gift of wisdom that teaches us to see with God's eyes, to feel with God's heart, and to speak with God's words. That's wisdom. When the spirit of wisdom, the Holy Spirit's within you, you'll see with God's eyes, you'll feel with God's heart, and you'll speak with God's word. Because when chaos comes into your life, broken emotions or broken passions want to react a certain way. But when wisdom says, okay, this is how I'm going to react based off what God's word says. That's how we want to react, or that's how we want to deal with the situation. Look at Isaiah 11 quickly. This is the prophet Isaiah confirming that one was coming greater and what to look for, how he was to manifest himself. It says, out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. Yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. Here it is, verse 2. And the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. Then it goes on to confirm also the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Bevere in our Driven by Eternity study talked a lot of the uh, relationship of the Holy Spirit, the partnership of the Holy Spirit, and how the fear of the Lord is revealed through that. And then Paul also confirms again when he's going through the gifts of the Spirit that are given for you and I, which we're going to get into, and we're going to rip apart, and we're going to study, and you're going to see how it's a gift of the Holy Spirit that you don't have to go down to Walmart, look for a good deal, and purchase it. It is a gift that is given to you. But Paul says here, even to confirm, he says, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. So we see wisdom and knowledge there. You know, I was asking is, and when we conclude our service today, I want to pray for you to receive this gift of wisdom or a renewing or a renewal of the gift of wisdom in your life. Because we need wisdom in the world we live in today more than ever. Because as the world is growing darker, guess what? Our light has an opportunity to shine brighter. That's what I love. This is the greatest moment to be a Christian because we can really put our faith to work. We can't hide behind the church or hide everything and our world is going well. Well, now's the time to armor up, as Pastor Joyce shared, and get out on the front lines and let's show them what an authentic Christian Spirit-empowered can be. Becca started clapping. You can clap right there. That's good. So when I was thinking, okay, who was one person in the Bible who asked for this wisdom? I think a lot of us, the, the, the big uh, factor, Christian said it, would be King Solomon. And I want to show you just his journey or his conversation he was having with the Lord of how wisdom came into his life. 1 Kings 3, 4 says, 
some different things. He's setting it up. In verse 6, it says, Solomon replied, You showed great and faithful love to your servant, my father, David, because he was honest and true and faithful to you. So he saw how God blessed his father. And, and let me tell you, as, as you see generations that have gone before you and you see the blessing of God upon their life from, for the wisdom and understanding, parents, take this to the bank too, that that's an example for your kids for when they reach of age, guess what? They're going to follow in that same line where they're going to want to reach out and ask, okay, I, I saw how you moved in my parents' life. I saw different situations. Now that I, I can realize how you were in the move and working, now I want to make the same ask. And so we see, even see how David was an example to Solomon and now how Solomon is going to God. Verse 7, he says, Now, O Lord my God, you have made me king instead of my father David, but I am a little child. So he's saying, I don't really know how all this is supposed to work. So there's a desperation there. Michelle shared uh, in prayer. We had a time of prayer because all y'all were sick on Wednesday. I, everyone texted me in. Stomach bugs were flying around. We prayed for you. It was good. Uh, but she was sharing uh, uh, just a powerful word of how a desperation is coming, that there should be a desperation in our life, desperate for the things of God. And so there's something, when you, when you approach God in humility and you lay low, but the, the eyes of the Lord are turned because he loves humility. He's attracted to humility. And so Solomon, is, uh, this is the approach that he's going to what he's about to ask for. Uh, let's see, I lost my track. In verse 8 it says, And here I am in the midst of your chosen people, a nation so great and numerous they cannot be counted. Here's what he asked for, verse 9. Give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. Right there, do you see anything selfish about that prayer? He's asking for wisdom to benefit others, to benefit those he's about to lead. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours. Verse 10, I love this right here. It says, the Lord was pleased. Somebody say, the Lord was pleased. When it, it goes to approaching the Holy Spirit, our heart's desire is not to grieve, but it's to please. We don't want to grieve him. We want to please him in everything we do. So it says the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. So here's God's reply, verse 11. So God replied, because you have asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and have not asked for a long life or wealth or the death of your enemies, if a selfish prayer, and sometimes we don't even catch it ourselves, me and Bree talk a lot. We said, when we're praying for God, we cannot be asking him for a BLT sandwich all the time. Bless me, love me, and take care of me. Sometimes our prayers, and I'll be the first to admit, is that it's kind of wrapped in that sandwich. But look what, look what God says. Because you didn't ask all for yourself, forgive me everything, and I need me, 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 I, I, I. Look what he says, verse 12. I will give you what you asked for. I will give you a wise and understanding heart such as no one else has had or ever will have. Imagine God speaking that to you. And I will give you what you did not ask for. So, hey, you didn't ask for this because you were humble and because you approached me in a heart of humility. I'm going to bless you. I'll give you riches and fame. Other in translation say influence. No other king in the world will be compared to you for the rest of your life. And Solomon was a precursor of Christ. Because Christ himself was wisdom. And if you follow me and obey my decrees and my command as your father David did, I will give you 
long life. That's a good blessing there. And here's another challenge for you as I was challenging myself. Again, if, all you, if your prayers were answered, just take a, a biopsy of your prayer life. If your prayers were answered, would they affect just, or would they change just your life or would they change the life of others? Because so many times, again, we have to, to dissect and say, am I just praying selfish prayers all the time? Because our prayer life should be so much broader and so much bigger than that. Praying for our country, families, people in the church, which so many of you are so good at, because we have a praying, powerful church. But we can't just be so I and me centered, focused in our prayers. So that's something that stuck out to me about Solomon's ask, is that it was bathed in a heart of humility. And because God, because it was approached that way, God blessed him. And I love it because it said, show me the way between right and wrong. Don't you want to know the way between right and wrong? Even the ways we looked in good or God, the way that's good and the way that's God. Because there's two differences there. Look at Hebrews 5, 13 through 14. And this talks of a mature prayer life or a mature spirit-filled Christian this should be an ask or a, a confession in your life. For someone who lives on the milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. So a baby Christian, someone new to the faith, guess what? They're going to need a lot of wisdom in those first few years in their journey with Christ. 14, solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. So maturity in your life or how you see, if you can uh, take a step back and look at your own life, as I look at my life, I should see wisdom manifesting itself by the choices I make that I can properly discern between what is right and what is wrong. You see a lot of uh, terrorism that happens in our country or evil. Those, the people who commit these acts are so convinced that they're right, that they're doing it for a purpose or that God even told them to do it. So if God's telling this person to do it and we say all the time, well, I feel God saying this and God doing that, that's all great and well, but at the end of the day, it all depends on what God, how God truly is revealed. Because even as I'm speaking now, there can be multiple interpretations of what's being said. So if we don't have the true interpretation of the word of God in the scriptures and how they are to be interpreted, then we're all going to be hearing something different and there's not going to be power in it. So that's why we want to go to the purest stream and figure out what is the wisdom of God. What's the timeless wisdom of the faith to guide me? Because there's an ancient path that works that Jesus gave his blood and his life for and gave us the Holy Spirit and put resurrection power within each and every one of you so you don't have to stay a slave. You don't have to be unidentified. You can have identity and purpose and know that there's a Father in heaven looking down on you who loves you and is drawing you into the sanctuary, into the church by grace each and every day to heal your life. To heal your life. Think about that. We've said it, and I'll say it again, salvation is healing. It's not a one-time event, a one-time ordeal, but it is a lifetime and a journey of healing, of taking our emotions, our, our broken passions, laying them upon the cross, and allowing the healing power of God to transform our lives. Proverbs 9.1 says that wisdom has built her house and she has hewn out seven pillars. So wisdom manifests itself in this way, going a little deeper. Look what James 1.5 says. It says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God. Somebody say generous. 
He's generous to us. And he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. So that's like, he's not a bad father. If you go to him and say, Father, I need wisdom for this situation. I, need, I don't know where I want to go to college or what my, what's my next steps after I graduate. Or I think I love this woman, but I don't know if she's the one for me. I need wisdom. So he's saying, ask God for wisdom and he'll give it to you. He's not going to rebuke you and say, ha, I thought I already gave you a word and you should be doing this. No, I'll say, okay. Let's, let's get together, let's reason this out, and let's get some wisdom imparted into your life. So don't underestimate asking for wisdom. Look at James 3, 13 through 17. Again, talking about wisdom, it says, if you are wise and understand God's ways, it says, prove it by living an honorable life. Or as we've talked about living a questionable life, when it, wisdom is operating in your life, people are going to question the decisions you make because they're a lot different than the way of the world. The early church, the decisions they would make, because the world was so pagan and so anti-God and didn't look anything like God, guess what? The apostles and and all the followers of Christ, their lives were so questioned because they were living so counter-cultural at the time. So it says, prove it by living an honorable life. Doing good works with, and here's the word I love, with the humility that comes from wisdom. So if you have wisdom on your life, it should not puff you up, but it should bring you down and bow low because you realize that your life is not your own. You realize the price that was paid to give you life eternally and to give you power on the earth. So humility is, again, bathed in wisdom, or wisdom is bathed in humility. But here's where it says, it shows the difference between heavenly wisdom and worldly wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover it up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. It's pretty blunt. Earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, so wherever you see a selfish spirit, you see a jealous spirit, you can get the, the crumblings or the tinklings. Look what it says. There you will find disorder and evil of every kind. What do we say from the beginning? The Holy Spirit brings our chaos into order. He builds order into our life. But look at 17. This is how godly wisdom manifests itself. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. Somebody say pure. pure. It's peace-loving. Amen. (laughs) It's gentle at all times and willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy, not just mercy, full of mercy, and the fruit of good deeds. I love this. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. I love this too, Proverbs 1, 22 through 25. We looked at this in our series in Proverbs. It says, how long you simple ones, will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning and fools hate knowledge. He's saying, if you turn at my rebuke, surely, and this is lady wisdom, again, a foretelling of the Holy Spirit. You see the Holy Spirit, the foretelling of it throughout scripture. And it's great when you can pick up on that. Hey, that's a foretelling of the Spirit of God. Because in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would dwell upon a situation or dwell upon a man, but it wouldn't live within them. But when Christ paid the ultimate price, the new covenant, he gave us a way where we can have the presence of God within us and we become the temple of the Holy Spirit that we can say the furthest part of the temple where the Ark of the Covenant was, we can have the Shekinah glory of God dwelling 
within our lives. And that's the power that the church needs. That's the power that we need. And that's the power, if we will seek out godly wisdom, we can have it here today. We can have it every time we come together. But as I said before, it's not just all on my shoulders or we should all be living godly lives and going after the things of God. And if we fall short, here's the thing, there's grace to pick us back up when we allow the Holy Spirit to judge our lives. Because when we allow the Holy Spirit to judge our lives, he brings things back into order. When I fall into sin or when I fall short, my life becomes out of order. But when I open up the word of God and go to the, what wisdom says, guess what? The judgment of that wisdom comes and it takes my life and puts it back into order. Anybody ever experienced that before? It's healing for your life. So we see a foretelling of wisdom. It says, surely I will pour out my spirit on you. And I will make my words known to you. Skipping forward, Proverbs 1.33 says, but whoever listens to me will dwell safely and be secure without fear of evil. So when you listen to that rebuke or that judgment when it comes into your life, Here's the blessing and here's a promise. There'll be security in your life and you'll be without fear of evil. What we saw in Las Vegas, there is a a power and a presence of a knowing of the spirit of God where there can be a fear without evil. Because those are the things that start plaguing our mind is fear. Because we even see you turn on talk radio, talk shows, whatever, that there's a pattern starting to take place that it's just kind of expected now. Well, when's the next terrorist attack or when's the next display of evil going to happen in our country? And could that be in our hometown? You know, through different conversations and going up to different ones and just, you know, when, when the Holy Spirit leads you into a moment to share truth, it's amazing when you crack open these conversations, there is a powerful opportunity to present truth and life and power and healing and love that can cast out that fear. Because the world around us, because that's all the, the media and everything is shouting. So this is an opportunity to take, okay, Holy Spirit, let's invite you into this. And let's believe for healing in the world around us. So there's some talking points for when you're at the coffee pot at work tomorrow. And so that's my heart this morning, is that we would have an impartation of the spirit of wisdom upon our lives, that we would even have a refreshing because all of us are faced with choices every day from the day you put your feet on the floor to the day you put to the night when you put your head back on the pillow, you're faced with choices. And there is Pentecost power that was poured out 2,000 years ago that is given to the church today. It's not dead, it's alive, and the word for us is to continue to keep stirring it up. And how much better, because here's what we usually do. I'm guilty of it. I'll be the first to confess, is that when we find ourselves in a bad situation, that's when we run to God and we start trying to stir something up. But how much better is it when you can keep a continual stirring? I'm going to go to church even though I don't feel like it this morning. I'm going to get in the word of God even when I don't feel like it this morning. Heck, I'm going to get there a little early and get to intercessory prayer even though I don't feel like it this morning. Because here's the thing, the golf course looks great today, the parties look great today, the family events, the restaurants, but all of you are here this morning for a reason. There is a thousand other things you could be doing, but you've made a commitment that I want to be where God's at. I want to be, I want to worship Him. I want to offer my sacrifice of praise. Because the thing is, when you give God first priority, 
he'll take care of everything else in your life. But he's got to be first. Not just first with what comes out of your mouth, but it should show your life. You know what's funny? If someone were to take and look at your bank statements, they could get a pretty good feel for what you love or where you spend your money or what's important to you. The same is if someone could get your prayer life or someone could see, you know, the, the secret parts of your life, that's really what reveals who we are. But we're not quick to say, hey, brother, check out my bank statement, see how everything's going. That's the same in our spiritual life. We're not quick to just want to put it all out there because that's where the enemy can have control. When things are kept in the dark, evil has power over your life. But the minute you bring it to the light, which is the light of the cross, that's where you can be transformed in power and uh, correction, and the Holy Spirit can come and take it and do what he does best and bring healing to any and every part of your life. This should encourage you this morning that you don't have to be stuck in the mess, but when you address it, healing comes. And I'm all about ripping open the deepest parts of my life, not just giving God the surfacey things of my life or just giving him word or lip service, but giving him my worship where I give him everything, not just on Sundays and for a little bit on Wednesday nights, but give him every part of my day, give him room to invade every part of my schedule, every part of my family. Give him room to everything and watch as your life changes. Give him room in your finances. If you don't tithe, test him and try him and watch the miracles he will work in your life. He gives us opportunity to see him work, and to see his blessing come into our life. But as Solomon asked for wisdom, it wasn't, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give if you, or I'll, what is it, don't give to get. The same is with anything. Don't just have a, 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 a centered mindset where I'm just doing this to get something from you. Because that's absence of relationship. Christianity in and of itself will never work if there's no relationship aspect. If you don't know the Father's heart, you're missing really what it's all about. And the Holy Spirit, as we talked of last week, reveals that. And so this morning, Seth, if you would come, I want to pray for you. And I want to ask for an infilling of wisdom in your life, an infilling of understanding. So if you stand to your feet, I want to pray. And let's just lift our hands again and let's invite the Holy Spirit in this moment and in this situation. Father, we thank you we love you. We honor you. God, as the word of wisdom was spoken here this morning, we just lift our hands in a posture to receive. And we ask, as Isaiah said, the spirit that will rest on the one who is coming that is greater will be a spirit of wisdom and a spirit of understanding. But even at the root of all this, it will be the fear of the Lord. So, Father, we honor you, we fear you, we give you the respect that you're due right here and right now. And we ask as we posture our lives that we would receive an infilling of wisdom. But we would ask it in a way that isn't to get something from you, but how when you fill us, how can we go and then give out? Let us just be a conduit. Let us be a channel. When you pour it in, baby, it's going right back out. So right now with our hands lifted, we receive the spirit of wisdom. I pray for everyone here with their hands lifted that the spirit of wisdom would rest upon them, that your Holy Spirit would invade their lives, that truth would come forth, that we believe you, Holy Spirit, 
that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. What you did 2,000 years ago, that power is available for us today. What we received in baptism, I pray that would come alive. We stir it up right now. Just begin to take your hands in a motion of stirring. Just to say, I'm stirring it up right now. I'm stirring up wisdom. I'm going to trust God when tough decisions come, that I'm going to be able to make them in wisdom. So Jesus, we thank you for a baptism of wisdom and understanding in this church. God, I pray that we would see testimonies of this, that we would see it at work and see it alive because out of our bellies will flow rivers of living water. Place your hand upon your belly. You know, it's funny that the stomach reminds us of how human we are. Here in a couple hours, you're going to be reminded that you're hungry and you need to get some food. There's something about, I think, why did God choose the belly? Why didn't he choose the heart? Why didn't he choose the head? But why did he choose the belly? Because it so much represents the flesh. That when that rivers of living water is within you, it has power to take king's stomach or to take the flesh and make it fall into line with the word of God. So I want to pray for those areas that of sin, as Timothy says, that can so easily entangle us. That out of the belly, the power of the living waters of God would give you the strength to tell your flesh, I'm tired of you dictating what I'm going to do. I'm tired of you telling me how I'm going to think. I'm tired of you putting me in poverty. I'm tired of telling you how I'm going to spend my money. But let's tell our flesh to listen to the Spirit of God. And let's tell our flesh to fall in line with what the Holy Spirit is doing. So put your hand on your belly and say, Holy Spirit... Take my belly and allow rivers of your living water, your continual living water, to flow freely in every area of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As we were praying and as we were thinking this morning, a song came forward and uh, this is a song that says, God, I look to you. Give me wisdom to see things like you do. And so I just ask Seth to sing this, and I just ask that you just close your eyes. If you know it, you can sing it. But allow this song just to be sang over your life because wisdom has been baptized into you. And now I'm believing you're going to see things start to change in your family. You're going to see things start to change in your life because the spirit of wisdom has renewed you and is going to speak to you and give you the strength that you need. So let's take a moment and allow this song to minister to us. Thank you, Jesus.